Good evening, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to episode seven of the Matt Matt O'Scale Train podcast. I am your host, Matt Rochford, and with me as always is my co-host, Matt Suzuha. Matt, how you doing tonight? Oh, wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Uh, so tonight uh, we would l- we want to go over train maintenance. And what I mean by that is uh, we want to go over how to maintain your train collection. Uh, that would include your engines, your rolling stock. Uh, more importantly, your track and your layout itself, which definitely needs to be maintained. And a couple of miscellaneous items. So uh, just kind of sit tight and uh, and uh, just kind of hang in there. And we're going to try to cover everything we can uh, just from information that we pulled and uh, from our own uh, experience keeping our train uh, and, and layout maintained. So I'll kind of first go over a couple of points, the things that I do. Um, I think the most important part here is keeping your track clean because you can run into all kinds of strange issues if you have a dirty track. Now, believe it or not, if you look at your track, uh, it may look like it's clean, but technically it may not be. And what I say to that is there is something called uh, a carbon buildup. And what that is, is it's just um, from the dust, from running your trains, uh, from your smoke, uh, just kind of everything in the environment, you get this kind of thin film that builds up and you'll, it's on your rollers too. And, and you'll kind of get that if you take like a thin towel, like a paper towel or a, a Kleenex or something, and you wipe the rails and you look at the Kleenex and it has like a black kind of like film on it, that's carbon. And you, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, it's just something that you have to have to clean. And basically, uh, if you don't, your engines are going to have problems uh, getting a signal. Uh, they're going to have problems drawing power from the middle rail. And you're going to have all kinds of miscellaneous issues. Uh, I'll take for an example, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was running my uh, F7 around my layout and unfortunately was stalling on a certain part. And I couldn't figure it out. Um, it wasn't turning off. It would just stall there and the cab lights would flash like it was having like communication problems. And I thought that was really strange. And I'm like, all right, well, I, you know, got my train off the track and I said, you know what? I'm just going to clean that one part of the track just to see what happens. And lo and behold, I cleaned up the track and bam, there it went. No problems. So that's how important it is to keep your track clean. And, and, you know, if you ask me like, well, you know, Matt, how, how, what's the timeline for this? How do I keep my track clean? clean like should i do it once a week every two weeks i guess that would depend on your environment on where your layout's at technically if if your layout's kind of in a high dust area you probably want to clean your track maybe every two weeks uh if you're in if you're kind of in a ventilated area uh that has air moving a lot around quite a bit you could probably get away with like doing it once a month it also also depends on how much you're running your trains, right? Because when you're running your trains, you're you got your roller on the middle rail and your wheels on the outside rails. You're you're constantly um, pushing air around. Uh, you're gonna get, you know, your your tracks are gonna get dirty. So you know, you kind of kind of you kind of have to factor in several things: um, uh, the air environment that you're in, uh, how much you're running your train, 
And if you have any kind of um, air purification system uh, going. So I try to clean mine probably at least once a month. Um, if I remember to do it once a month, I can. I usually don't have any issues. Um, but also, you can just kind of do the finger test, right? You know, just take it, like I said, take a Kleenex or a tissue, wipe it, um, look at the bottom of your rollers on your on your engines that you're using the most. Do they have a lot of uh, carbon on them, uh, a lot of buildup? It's probably time to clean your track. Um, so in order to do that, what I use... Um, people have different ways. Uh, people have come up with, you know, everyone has their little uh, opinion on how to clean track and stuff like that. And that's fine. Uh, everyone has a certain way. Um, I use uh, track and rail cleaner and um, it is, uh, it's called track and rail cleaner. It's AC, the model or the product number is ACT-6006. It is from a local area by me, so it is in the it's in the Western Springs, Illinois. You're like from the it's from Aero Dash Car Hobby Lubricants. Um, I'm sure this can be found in under other names and too uh, as well. Uh, but what's so special about this is is it um, it is a cleaner, but it also um, has a, like a, um, a special oil in it uh, that will help. Uh, maintain a an electrical connection um, so it really helps clean the track uh, it really helps get uh, your engine with uh, pulling in um, power from the middle rail um, I even use this to clean the rollers um, so if I'm having a if I get a new engine in or if I'm having problems I clean the track I clean the rollers of anything that's running on the track and um, I swear by this stuff this stuff is awesome so Get yourself a nice uh, cleaner. You can go to your local hobby shop. You can go online. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll actually put the uh, uh, the product itself that I'm using in the show notes. Um, that way uh, you can get it. And I'll, I'll put the website on there as well. Uh, that way you can, if you're interested in buying it, you can buy it right over the web. Uh, Matt, how about yourself? So for me, as far as like cleaning track goes, I'll kind of hit some of the points you hit on. So as far as the time, you know, with some of the things in this hobby, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later on in this episode, there's no real set time to do it. It's not like changing the oil in your car. So, you know, sometimes when you're running your trains, you may have spots where you don't have to clean your track, you know, for a while or in certain sections might be dirtier than others. And for me... Not only do I gauge how about the track and how that, well, that's clean, I use that to also gauge voltage. If I'm having voltage issues and the track is still clean, you know, I know that I got an issue somewhere else besides the track, which that's something to keep in mind, too. It can also be a troubleshooting thing, not only just be a cleaning thing. And then as far as cleaning the track goes, I use a bunch of different things. I used to use the track cleaner that came with the MTH maintenance kit, which Lionel makes a similar kit as well, if you're curious. But I used to use that. I ran out of it. So what I've been using for the most part now these days is paint thinner, which you got to be careful with it because it's flammable. But you can use it, and it does a great job. So, you know... Like Matt said, you know, there's a tons of different schools of thought on this. If you ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers. 
you know, do what's best for you as far as this goes. But for me, that's what I like to use. However, I do want to try that stuff you recommend, and I'm going to give that a try soon here. That sounds really, really good. It is. It, it is. I, I found it at my local railroad sh- uh, hobby shop. Um, they had a bunch of them there, and, and I asked about it, and they're like, yeah, this is uh, this stuff really works. And um, uh, it uh, it works for almost anything, uh, slot cars, um, any kind of like uh, any kind of hobby. You know, it doesn't have to be just, just um, you know, uh, trains. It could be almost anything, anything that you need to that, that has a track. Uh, that requires an electrical contact uh, for the you know vehicle to move around. The stuff will clean it. So yeah, really really happy with it. Um, I haven't used paint thinner. Um, I'd be more afraid of like the the fumes. Does it give off a lot of fumes? Paint thinner? No, not really. I mean, what okay. I usually do is I usually put it on a Q-tip or something like that, and oh, I don't okay. put very much. I put maybe like maybe like a water bottle capsize full at a time oh, okay, i don't really gotcha. i don't you know take the whole bottle and throw it in a container <laughs> no, oh gotcha okay no just a little bit all right i was gonna say you better have some uh, air uh <laughs> some air filtration going there <laughs> oh yeah you gotta be careful with it but sometimes like if it's if i can get away with just using a dry paper towel just to get the crap out of the really the center rail is the worst yes the two yeah, outer that. rails they get the crap from the traction tire but really the center rail is the issue and you really got to watch that one because you got to think you have one hot and two grounds so yep. you know the hot's where you're going to run into your issues so if it's not really that bad and I can just put a little elbow grease into it, I'll just use just a dry paper towel. But if it's really bad, I'll get the thinner out and start wetting it until I can get it all off. Yeah, I also have a um, I don't know what it's exactly called, but in the MTH maintenance kit, it's kind of like a like a really fine um, uh, rubbing stuff. Like, I don't I don't know what the, what the right name for it is. Um, like a denatured alcohol? Well, no, it's like a pad, uh, and you hold it like a pad, and on the bottom of it, it's like a really kind of like fine surface, and you use it just kind of, you just kind of scrape it along the rails, and it takes the, it's okay, kind of like yeah, a mis- I, I know what you're talking about. Mr. Clean pads, you know, the, the ones that are, you know, that have like a really soft surface on the bottom, but it's, but it, you can use it on like metal and stuff like that. Um, it does a good job. I use it on the really kind of the, the the parts of the track that have that that you know that really a, a large buildup of carbon on it. And uh, you take this thing and you can kind of just rub it. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would use this to touch it up or to get out. You know, the most difficult spots. Uh, as far as general cleanup, though, um, like like using like you and I use some type of liquid um, to kind of like actually clean the track is, is absolutely needed. Cool. Yeah, and I forgot to say, um, I actually uh, there are parts of my layout that I can't get to. So what I have is I have one of these. Um, they're they're a car made for cleaning, and what it is is it's just a uh, it's a car, but on the bottom of it is two clamps, and you're in you can you can basically screw or clamp uh, a couple of uh, pads to it. So what I do is I turn it over. Uh, I put fresh pads on each one. Um, I pour uh, enough of the liquid uh, that I have into each pad so the pads are nice and kind of like 
you know, they're not dripping wet, but they're soaked enough where they're going to be able to clean the track. And then I'll run that behind, you know, one of my little uh, diesels. Um, and I'll run that around my track, like, I don't know, like two, three times on each loop. Um, and that's pretty much how I do it. Because like I said, there's parts of my track I can't get to. So I don't have much of a choice, but I kind of like doing this because I can, um, you know, put the pad on there, uh, turn my train on and just kind of sit back and let it go around. And it does it. it I'm pretty impressed. It, it does a good job. That's cool. I've thought about getting one of those track cleaning cars, and I don't really have a section that I really can't reach, at least not yet. I'm sure eventually I will. But, you know, I've thought about getting that, but for now it's not really necessary. But gotcha. I should probably spring for one because Lord knows I'll need it sometime, I'm sure. Okay. Um, so let's talk about actual locomotive maintenance. So... I'll kind of explain some things that I do when I get a new engine and then things that I do to for my current engines. So when I take uh, an engine out of the box, that's what, so if I get a new train and I take it out of the box, it's whether it be used or new, I do a couple of things. Number one, um, I always turn it over um, and I always uh, oil um, the axles um, I'll, I'll oil the, um, uh, the, uh, the rods between the drivers. Um, I'll oil just kind of any, any of the moving parts, obviously, um, on the bottom of an engine. So, uh, the rollers and the axles are probably the most, if you're dealing with a diesel, then you're going to have rollers and axles. Um, if you got a steam engine, then you're going to have some, uh, rods on the drivers that you might have to oil. Now, a lit, just so everyone knows a little bit goes a long way, um, so you just need a dab of oil. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to put that into actual what it is. But if you have a dropper, which is what you should be using, like a little kind of I use a pin needle dropper when I do oiling I do too. Um, because I don't want to over, I, you know, I don't want to actually spill like a whole bunch of oil on something because cleaning up oil is the absolute worst. And number two is you don't want to put too much oil on something because what happens is. Uh, because oil um, is a uh, has a viscosity to it, you know, it has a um, uh, like a kind of a thickness to it. Um, it will actually pick up dirt and stuff. So you don't want to put too much on because you don't want stuff to collect in the oil. Um, and then the other part uh, that I do is um, when you have uh, a diesel engine, at least that you, you usually have like the visible gears on the bottom. And I'll take a little bit of grease um, and I'll like put one drop on each. You don't need to put it on the whole thing because what happens is you put one little drop on one of the gears. And then when you're running around, when you run around the track, that's that grease is going to get kind of moved. It's going to get thrown from all the gears. Um, so you just need to put it on one. You could put it on another one too, like one that's kind of farther away. But I tend to, again, use the whole uh, a little bit goes a long way. Um, so, uh, so I'll do the oil, uh, I'll do the grease, uh, at that point I will, uh, just kind of check, uh, check all these screws. Um, I like to check to make sure everything is, um, tight, uh, that there's, um, you know, that there's no play with stuff that shouldn't have play on it. Uh, you know, check the guardrails. I'll check uh, to make sure that, you know, there's no loose parts on the engine, um, I'll flip it up. Uh, I will. Um, I usually don't 
put smoke in it until I actually put it on the layout. Because when I get an engine, I want to make sure that I uh, usually smoke fluid is the last thing I do because I don't want to have to put smoke in an engine and then flip it over, um, you know, just to kind of avoid uh, that fluid, that new fluid kind of leaking out of the top. So uh, I'll usually try to get everything I can done, uh, even program it um, when I can. Like sometimes I'll drop like two or three drops in there um, or I'll shut the smoke unit off. Um, put put it on the track, uh, get it programmed, and then turn the smoke unit back on, uh, fill up the smoke unit, and at that point, test the smoke to make sure it's okay. And I'll run it around the layout for probably, uh, like, you know, between, like, three and five minutes just to kind of break it in. Um, again, if you get a new engine, you know, you don't want to put it on the track and put it up to, like, you know, 50 scale miles um, would uh, totally avoid that. You, it's it's a motor, um, and it needs to be properly broken in. Um, so even if it's used, and, uh, and and if it's not an MTH engine, well, I don't know how many miles are on the thing, right? So um, I just treat them all the same. You know, I'll, I'll run it around around ten to fifteen scale miles per hour uh, around my layout for about five minutes, just to kind of break in the oil, get that grease going in the gears. Uh, and stuff like that. So um, also kind of check the, uh, you really, you know, back in the day, you know, because they use inconsistent bulbs, you know, you have to check those. But nowadays with LEDs, you know, that's not really a thing. I don't think I've, knock on wood, I don't think I've ever had an LED go out yet on anything I own, um, which they shouldn't. They should last pretty long. Uh, how about yourself, Matt? Well, for me, my philosophy is kind of similar to yours in that when I get an engine, I usually will give it some sort of oil or grease. What I do with my oil and grease is I go one step further with it. I put it on my workbench, and on my workbench I have a test track, and I also have a uh, it's a homemade uh, engine cradle with uh, you know like a towel on there. Yep. And what I do is steam or diesel what i do is i have alligator test clips and i throw the test clips on so it's not on the track i just have it upside down in the cradle and i fire it up and run it and sometimes i put it on full throttle um, run it wide open just to uh, really get that grease and oil in there especially for steam for steam i'll run them wide open and uh let it really get in there, do what it has to do, avoid any squeaks or squeals or any annoyances with that long before it even touches a track <laughs> the correct way and uh, get it all going. If it's an MTH, I always check the battery, especially in a 5-volt uh, PS2 or even just a 3-volt PS2. Uh, that's just what you should do. I know people don't. You check your speakers too while you're at it. If you're into modern command control engines but as far as general maintenance goes after i give it oil and grease and give it a shot on a uh, clips then i'll throw it on the track and let it run and have my fun with it smoke i kind of do what you do i don't run the smoke when it's in the cradle uh when i throw it on the track i'll throw some fluid in it let it rip but i basically do the same thing as you do you know what that's a proven way and that's just the easiest way in my opinion nope and you actually bring up a really good point with your cradle um i bought mine at my hobby shop they're like 20 bucks folks if you're gonna work on your trains get yourself a nice styrofoam 
cradle. Um, because turning over an engine on anything that's not soft, um, you know, if you don't have one yet, the best thing to do is to get yourself a whole bunch of towels, uh, a lot of them, because you want to make a nice cushy surface, because keep in mind that there are very delicate, small detail parts on a lot of engines. And if you turn it over on a hard surface, that little part could break off or something. So um, I recommend, highly recommend getting yourself a nice styrofoam uh, train cradle. They they make them. You can go online. I think a bunch of the uh, big train, uh, the online web guys have a bunch of them in stock. Uh, you go down to your local hobby shop and ask them. I think I bought mine at 20 bucks. Uh, it was like 20 or 25 bucks at my local train store. And it was the, one of the best th- purchases that I ever made. Um, I use it con- I use it constantly when I'm working on my engine. Um, you know, especially if you if you have to turn your engine over and like take out the screws and stuff like that. Um, you really kind of need it in a nice stable position. And this is one of those where it has like it has like the small pocket in the middle, you know, that's kind of indented. Uh, that way, when you put your engine in there uh, turned over, it sits in it sits there and that styrofoam like really hugs that engine in there. So I'm really glad that you brought that up, Matt. Uh, that's a really important point. Oh, yeah. And plus, you know, you don't want your engine to be damaged, you know, by by a cradle and certainly don't put it on a wood or anything like that upside no. down with no don't don't do that you don't do that yeah nope. yeah Definitely i mean i guess it depends that. on like you know i mean if we're talking like a lion chief where there's where it's pretty um it's got a like a lot of molded in detail um yeah it's not gonna have a lot of detail but even then um just get, get yourself a blank if you have a blanket or even you know what people use like old pillows Mm, that's a good Get idea. yourself an old pillow and, and, and put it on your workbench or wherever you're going to work on your train and use that. But yes, please do not turn it over on any hard surface um, because number one, um, you could damage something on top. And then number two, if it's not stable and it kind of falls over, you could damage something on the side too if it tips over. Um, so yeah, really important tip there. Uh, keep your train safe uh, when you're working on them. Mm-hmm. And going off your point with screws, what I use for screws, I have one of those uh, little magnetic bowls that you get from uh, Harbor Freight. Let me tell you, I love that thing. It's great. Uh, I have that. I have magnetic screwdrivers. I have one of those little uh, things where you slide the screwdriver back and forth and it magnetizes it. I got those. I got little uh, micro screwdrivers, which I love those. I love the flathead one, which I use flathead uh, screwdrivers when I'm taking the screws out of the train just because it won't strip the screw. And I've had screws strip like there's no tomorrow. So if I was to recommend something, get yourself a micro uh, flathead or I believe they come in both Phillips and flat in the same box. Just use it you know that's that's what i use and like i said it's one of those opinionated things but for me i like the flathead screws flathead screwdrivers for taking out the phillips screws so now that we kind of talk about that we've talked about like a lot of maintenance items uh you had brought up screwdrivers so this is probably a good time to kind of talk about other um pieces other tools uh that we should be using 
uh, when you're doing kind of maintenance or you're trying to do repairs on your on your engine. So why don't you tell us more about that, man? Sure. So for like tools that I use, like I said, the aforementioned alligator clips, you know, you can never have enough of those things. You know, go to Harbor Freight or Home Depot or wherever you get your tools and get like two or three packages of them because you'll strip the heads on them, uh, the teeth, and then they'll be useless. So get a bunch of them. But what I use them for, I use them for all kinds of things. You know, like I said, when I'm oiling an engine, I throw it on the clips and I let it run. Uh, usually you're, uh, depending on the engine, wheels are ground. Uh, I've had drawbars be ground. Uh, obviously, pickup rollers are for hot, but, you know, depends on the engine, obviously, what's a ground. But, you know, you can use those. I use the clips for LEDs when I'm testing LEDs or converting something to LEDs. Um, I also use uh, soldering iron. So for that, you use that for pretty much anything. You can use it to repair stuff. You can use it when you're doing LED conversions like I do. You can, uh, it's invaluable for layout work as far as track. You know, I solder all my wires for track. So one of the things that I use that's been pretty helpful, um, and I think this should be for everybody, is your lighting. Um, And what I mean by that is I ended up uh, last year buying a really nice um, LED magnifying lamp uh, that clamps so you just kind of clamp it onto, you know, the side of uh, a workbench or you can clamp it to, you know, just anywhere where, you, where it's kind of like a vice clamp. Holy. And then you plug it in. Holy cow, dude. This thing has been awesome. I love it. It's, you know, and it's it's one of those where it, it has like the um, um, uh, sw- it's kind of like an adjustable swivel arm. So you can kind of like move it anywhere you want and like even turn the head any way you want. Having a really nice lighting source when you work on your your engines is super important uh, because, you know, there's little intricate details on everything. And, you know, hey, uh, you know, where's this wire hooked to? Or I need I really need to see this roller a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, highly I, I think I bought mine for 60 bucks on Amazon. It's it's paid itself back already um, just for, you know, just how well it works. Uh, and gives me, you know, I'm, I'm an older guy too. So I really need the, the light and the extra magnifying <laughs> if, if, you know, when, when I need it. Um, so with that said, let's kind of move on to, uh, maybe not back to track maintenance, but, um, what do we use to, uh, keep our track, uh, kind of like, uh, in working condition and how we laid it down and stuff like that. So go ahead, Matt. <laughs> So for me, uh, and Matt, we both use Lionel Fast Tracks, so that's what I do, and him too. But uh, as far as for me, as far as screwing the track down, I use these screws that I get from Amazon. They're number four, and they got various different sizes. For Fast Track, I have three-quarter inch uh, plywood for my layout. So yeah, I use too. the number four by uh, number four. Come on. Three, two, one. I use the number four by three-fourths inch uh, screws. They have longer ones. I have also have the inch and a quarter variants, but the three-quarters of an inch work perfect. It gives it enough bite, and you can use just a manual screwdriver. You don't need a drill or anything. And that's one thing. I don't uh, 
do pilot holes. I just have the either. have the yep. uh, uh, thread of the screw bite into the wood, and that's just the way I go about it. It's just the easiest thing to do, at least for me. Yeah, I used I I, I use the same. Like I have the same um, thickness board for me myself as well. Um, and that's when I was screwing my train to the track, or <laughs> when I was screwing my track to the board. Um, yeah, don't screw your train to the track. No, please. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was securing my track to the wood, uh, yeah, I was I was just using my my power drill, and yep, I mean, you just kind of get the if you have the right screw, it's just kind of like, and you're good to go. Yep. You know, you know, I can I can set the torque on mine, so you know, you set it perfectly, and then it's like you know, one shot, and you're good to go. Move on to the next one. So. Yeah, and, and that's kind of one thing to note, too, is, um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that don't have a board um, or maybe they're uh, kind of experimenting with uh, getting a board up. But if you have kind of a set track already, man, get 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 that fast track screwed down because it helps immensely in, in keeping that track firmly connected to each other. Um, you know, that's I've done that for years, e- even even when I haven't got the, when I didn't have the plan firmly fixed out, um, you know, I, w- I had, I was just screwing my, my uh, screws to the track. I think more about a, more importantly about safety and, you know, just hoping, making sure that the track wouldn't slip out or come out because, you know, all, not all fast track is created equally. Uh, and sometimes you have that fast track that fits like solid, like it's never coming out. Sometimes you have the fast track that you put it in and it's wiggly. So that's why, you know, that's why I try to make sure I secure all my track down. Um, you know, even when I have a smaller plan out there or when I had my initial plan out there, you know, cause you get a nice, a power drill and it's just, you could move, you could bring up screws and move track around without any problems. Yeah. It, it's not really that difficult, but yeah, you definitely want to screw it down. You know, I foolishly haven't really been doing it. Um, I started doing it maybe about, two years ago and why I haven't done it since is anybody's guess. But, you know, for me, keeping that track screwed down is vital. Like you said, the power conductivity is a big deal. You know, once you got screwed down, you can, you know, manipulate the track how you need to get it nice and tight, screw it down and you'll be good to go. You'll have solid power throughout the whole loop. Yep. I agree. Uh, And speaking of power, um, I don't know how you have yours all set up, but the way I do it um, is that I do use a power strip, um, but I use it for everything but the legacy, uh, my legacy charging base, uh, my legacy remote itself, uh, the, the 990 base, because um, you do not want to plug that into a uh, a power strip if you don't have to. Um, I know it It definitely has to be uh, plugged into a grounded outlet, so you definitely need a three-prong outlet for that. Um, I have mine kind of separate separate uh, for that, but everything else I have on a, uh, on, you know, on one power strip. That way, when I turn it on, everything comes on. So, um, you know, I, I have a separate uh, transformer for my, uh, my lighting on my layout, um, and then I have, uh, you know, my, my MTH... Uh, Wi-Fi. I have my um, my 180 brick as well, so I like everything coming on at the same time. Um, and then I have that kind of securely uh, uh, ran into a you know a, like a, like a ground a grounded outlet as well, making sure everything is 
secured correctly, uh, plugged in right, um, is and, and that's kind of stuff that you can go through your maintenance as well. Like check all your, you know, check to make sure that your plugs are all plugged in. Okay, so when it comes to power, um, I do recommend that you get yourself a nice uh, like multimeter. Uh, th- that has become invaluable to me for finding dead spots, for finding bad track. Um, I mean, this is stuff that you know is cheap. You can buy a multimeter. I have a Craftsman multimeter, but I mean, you could buy one for like twenty bucks. You know, it's got the you know it's got the you know the 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 leads on the end, and you know you put one on your your outside rail, one on the inside rail, and then you can kind of measure the voltage coming off the track. And I've actually found bad track by doing that. Um, you know, especially if you have, um, if you have power issues with uh, with some particular engines, and you've cleaned the track, and everything seems fine. Um, take those, uh, take that multimeter and and check the check the track itself, and you can check each part. You know, each track is separated. You know, obviously, you know by that crease, uh, so you can test each track independently to see um if it's pulling you know the between like you know 15 and you know and 18 volts uh, if it's not if, if you're if you're finding a piece of track that's like under 15 volts well you might have an issue there uh and you might have to replace that track um it could be as simple as just bending one of the the center pins down a certain way because maybe it's not uh you know i know you say you solder everything matt so that kind of like that fixes that for you um i don't solder uh my tracks together um i just you know go with the fast track and you know before i i clamp them together i make sure that the the middle the middle uh the pins are correct and then i'll kind of like lock them together uh but even with soldering sometimes you can uh you can find a a bad piece of track or maybe the track itself is just you know gone bad it's just uh something went over it something got misaligned or popped out so um totally recommend getting a multimeter they're super inexpensive and they're definitely worth it. Sure. Actually, I want to correct you on one thing. I don't, I don't solder my track together. I solder the wires to the track, to the little pins on the uh, bottom of the track, the uh, clips. Um, oh yes, that, I'm that, sorry. Yeah. Solder okay. too. But oh, that's um, what I thought too. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry if I said it. That, no, yeah, I don't good. think you actually. I don't think you actually do there and solder your track. But there are people um, that do this. But there, there not are. Me. Yeah. Now that would just take that would just that's too much for me. Yeah, so. I d- um I did want to say about the meter. I I should have put this in the locomotive section. The meter is hands down. It's the most valuable tool next to the soldering iron. Yeah, that, I agree. You can use that for anything, whether it's bad track. You need to use the continuity to find where a wire goes. Uh, even on your layout, besides a train, you know, use that. Uh, that thing is absolutely invaluable. Definitely go buy one. You know, you don't have to go buy a $400 fluke. You can buy, I have a Cantec from Harbor Freight. I love it. It's great. Yep. Yep. What, and a fantastic tool to have uh, in your uh, in your workbench toolbox uh, when working on your trains. I'm, and guess what? You know, it, it applies to stuff in your house, too. It's just not there to, to help you with your trains. I mean, you can use it for anything around the house as well. So I've used it to uh, check a couple of sockets and uh, I'm a computer guy. So I use it to do some voltage testing on boards and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it uh, it's definitely worth the money. Um, 
Because otherwise, if you don't have one, uh, trying to find that <clears throat> that bad track is next to freaking impossible. Because then you're swapping out track, and it's just like it, with a multimeter, it take you two minutes to find the bad track. If you didn't have one, well, you could, you could spend up to a half hour to an hour trying to find the the, the bad track. So yeah, for sure, highly highly recommend it. All right, so Matt talked about. Uh, how he has his system powered up with the power strip. And so I figured I'll talk about mine real quick. So for mine, I'm actually, I'm in the planning stages of redoing my control panel as I use the Lionel fast track switches. And so for me, I want to redo it so I can have all my switch uh, manual switch remotes um, able to be all in a line for the panel. So for me, what I use, I use just a power strip, that I have plugged into a grounded outlet. For me, I have mine plugged into a smart plug so I can use it with my uh, Amazon Echo system, which is really pretty cool. But for me, I have a just a standard transformer that I'm using for my track power, which is an MRC Pure Power Dual uh, transformer. And then I have a separate K-Line transformer that I'm using for all my accessories. So I have it... Uh, flipped in that way so that way the track is separate from the accessories and vice versa uh, as far as my legacy and my wi-fi units i use i don't use the charging port on the legacy i just use uh, non-rechargeable batteries in it just because i've had issues with mine it gets hot and stuff like that so i don't really like to leave it on for extended periods of time so i don't bother with that i just when i got to replace the batteries i replace them so I really could hide the legacy base, you know, deep in the layout somewhere. And I may do that. I don't know. But so for me, that's what I use. The Wi-Fi's, uh, I just have them connected to the power strip. So once I click the lad on, everything turns on. The accessories, the Wi-Fi's, the trains, legacy, everything. And also my TIUs, I have that hooked into the accessory port of my track transformer so when i click that on the tiu gets its power as well and that's how i got it set up um just one little thing on that um and then i think you said that was really important because i was told this by a gentleman who repairs um locomotives uh you know o-scale locomotives and he said basically don't ever use the rechargeable feature on the remote yeah, um, you could have you. It, it, it's. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that it's prone to having issues. So, and you could. And I do the same thing you do, Matt. I turn. I turned off the recharger on the base, and I just use standard alkaline batteries for it. Yeah, it's just the way to go. Now I've heard that the Legacy expansion set, not the main one that you buy to run to get the Legacy signal, the expansion, the number nine nine three, that yeah. one does not have the issues. So if you want to charge your remote there, you can. But the nine ninety, the regular Legacy base, that one don't use the charger in that. Yep. I don't know what the difference is between the two, but the nine nine three, I guess, is the one that if you want to desperately charge your batteries with the charger in the legacy set do it but i still would just use the alkaline non-rechargers and just deal with it that's what i would they, do they, they last they last long enough sure you know, i i can go i can go 
over a month. But you know, everything depends on like how much are you running your trains, right? But I mean, I put I replaced mine. I don't know a couple months ago, and I'm 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 still fine. So it's been good for two months. Uh, you know, I don't run trains every single day, but you know, I do run them. You know, when I do, I do run them for just you know sometimes between fifteen minutes and forty five minutes, and uh, the alkaline batteries are fine. And definitely, like Matt said, the safer way to go. Mm-hmm. Don't want to start no fires now. Nope. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for maintenance. Uh, we did want to keep this one a little, little tighter and a little cleaner. I just wanted to go over how Matt and I maintain our locomotives and our layouts. And we thought we'd just kind of pass that information on to you fine folks. Uh, that way, if you have any questions about it, um, and again, um, we're not the, you know, the, we're not the, you know, the one-stop source for all this information. Um, you know, check out the old gauge for, if you have questions, you can check out the old gauge forums. You can leave us a comment as well. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to help you. Um, you know, there's plenty of ways to leave comments for us, um, in the, uh, if you're uh, actually going to Podbean, you can follow us, you can make comments. Um, we are also on iTunes and Google Podcasts. We'd appreciate it if you if you have time, if you are using one of those sources to listen to us, if you could just leave us some feedback, leave us a review. Uh, we we'd appreciate pretty much like that. You know, really, really help us out in uh, in kind of spreading the word around and getting us getting us up on that uh, that uh, algorithm, right? So so we pop up uh, in people searches. <laughs> um, Matt. Uh, where can people find you on social media? They can find me on YouTube under Matt-TrainLover9943. Then I also have a Facebook page under the same name. All right. And I can be found on YouTube at West Chicago Railroad. And I'm also on Facebook at West Chicago Model Railroad. Um, so, again, thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. Uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate you downloading and listening to our podcast. Uh, we're having a lot of fun. We got plenty of plenty of episodes to do, all kinds of topics we're going to cover. So if you enjoy model railroading, especially obviously O scale model railroading, um, you know we, uh, we want you to come with us on our on our adventure here. <laughs> <laughs>